Boom shakalaka Welcome back to the Millennial Classics, y'all, where we talk about the best and most memorable movies, music, and culture-changing events from our generation. Mumbury, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good. So today's a special day. Before we even get going, before I get into the podcast, I just want to thank everybody watching and you specifically, Mumbury. We have hit a thousand subscribers. This is a big deal. This is a good day for us. This is a good day. So we are recording this on uh, uh, August 24th. So just I know this is not going to be out for a very long time, but just letting everybody know who is watching, who has subscribed, who has joined us on this journey. Shit has been really fun and I feel like things are getting going. So just be on the lookout for the future classics. We did drop that for our 1000 subscriber little celebration milestone. But with that being said, Mumbury, what movie are we doing today? And tell the folks at home, why is it a millennial classic? This is a library DVD classic. All right. This is a movie where it's like everyone in the family is asking what movie should we watch? And it's got to be PG, but it's got to be PG-13. It's got to have the adults, little <laughs> kids, got to have stars. So the grandma recognizes who, who that guy is. It's Ocean's Eleven. Why is it a millennial classic, Mumbury? Talk to me. This movie is a vibe movie. You can kind of enter at any point in time. Honestly, the reason why this movie is so good and I wrote this down first thing. It nails the two best parts of a heist movie that everybody loves. It has a great get the gang together scene and it has a great heist scene. It, yes, it, it does. Just, it's like that's half the movie right there. So and it does it so well. It, it does it so well. And in celebrating this movie's getting the gang together we have a featured guest on this podcast if you have if you are not watching it we have Niall from it's the man cave movie night podcast correct that's right that's right I'm not stoked to be here well thank you so much for coming before we even get to what you uh remember about Ocean's Eleven Tell the folks just who are you and what is the Man Cave Movie uh, Night podcast? Okay, so Man Cave Movie Night is a podcast that two friends of mine and I do, uh, Lucas Coford and Jared Cooksey and I. We're friends from high school. We all ended up in different places, but thanks to Zoom, we we could get together and talk about movies. And honestly, where I'm living now in, in northern Utah, I don't have a whole lot of friends who are as into movies as I was. So we started the podcast basically to have a reason to talk really in-depth about movies. And then uh, we've kept going. So we've been doing it for almost three years now, actually. There you go. And uh, yeah, we've got over 100 episodes. Uh, some of them have themes. Some of them are just kind of random. But yeah, we we just it's basically an excuse to talk about movies with my friends. I love that. And let me just put you on the spot real quick. Can you give me a quintessential Man Cave movie night movie? Like something y'all are just like all of you guys, unanimous Hall of Fame, you put it up. Whiplash from 2014. That is a movie that I think all three of us will very, very quickly tell you is in our top three. There's very few people that could do it like J.K. Simmons. That dude is an actor like no other. Niall, talk yeah. to me about Ocean's Eleven. Would you consider this a man cave movie? Is this oh, worthy yeah. of the name? Absolutely. This is this is a movie that I know that we would love to talk about. On the, I, in fact, I I want to do a heists episode on our podcast, and I know that if we do, this is the heist that we would be comparing other movies to. Amen you know, to that. It, yep. for for our generation at least, this is like the quintessential heist movie maybe this and and the the more recent italian job now anytime i see a heist movie my point of comparison is it was better or worse than oceans 11 (laughs) you know what i mean so this would be one that we would love to talk about on the podcast and honestly we haven't yet and so i'm really happy that i get to talk about it with you guys now ladies and gentlemen this movie dropped december 7 2001 and prior to us getting into the meats into the goodies of this movie come with me into the millennial time machine so i can tell you what was going on at the time So in the music industry, if you were live, if you were jamming in December of uh, 2001, Usher has been, Mabari, Usher has been a menace for two decades at this point. This <laughs> Yo, <laughs> cheating and diving and singing and doing too much. He's been doing too much. He's been doing too much, but he was number two on the Billboard's Hot 100 with You Got It Bad. Number one was Family Affair by Mary J. Bly. Enrique Iglesias, hero, that shit was a banger. I hate to bring his name up. Look at this track! 
Nickelback was also on the list, the top five of the Billboard's 100 in 2001. Apple's iPod uh, was released October of 2001. The highest paid celebrities. This is who the world was talking about in 2001. And I love seeing this list because it's like, holy shit, some of these people are just not the same anymore. So the man, the myth, the legend, our number one pick for the 2022 movie, um, Tom Cruise was the number one paid celebrity of 2001. Tiger Woods was number two. The Beatles were number three. For movie history, A Beautiful Mind won the Academy Awards for Best Picture in 2001. Mumbury, do you want to try to go down this list? A Beautiful Mind, that was two in a row for, for him too, right? Oh, Russell yeah, Crow. uh, Russell Crowe. He won Crow. two in a row, I think. And he's, I think he's the only one to win two in a row. But That's um, amazing if he did. Tell me your top um, domestic box office for 2001. Well, because we've already done Rush Hour. Yes, exactly. And we've that, done Mummy. This we have done Mummy, but this is the year where Mummy Returns came out, and it was okay. number six that year. Okay, then and then there's a Lord of the Rings at this point. Lord of the Rings was this year. Yep, exactly. Very good. And... Came out like a week or two after. Ocean's Eleven's on that list. Ocean's Eleven sadly is like number ten or eleven on that list. Wow. So let me tell you because this is a big year, a huge year for movies. Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, so the mm-hmm. start of like the franchise for like teens, etc. Uh, of that generation, our generation. Shrek came out that year. Some Monsters Inc. came out that year. Rush Hour Two. Don't stop till you get- and then the Lord of the Rings. So competing with all of that, I understand that Ocean's Eleven is a star-studded, like epic heist movie. But those are like franchise-building, starting movies yeah. and sequels. So it's really franchise-heavy for the exactly. 2000s, and there's even J- Jurassic Park three came out that year. It was eight. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a black girl that does a gymnastics like like routine to kick a velociraptor in that movie. That's and amazing. Vince Vaughn's in it. Oh, oh my God, Vince Vaughn. Well, Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn has famously never been in a bad movie. So I don't know what you're talking about. That's fantastic. Well, Barry, the makings and ratings take it away. What was going on when this movie was getting created? This movie box office hit critically acclaimed it's not like top tier critically acclaimed but almost critics loved it 83 percent Rotten tomatoes fans love it critics love it directed by steven soderbergh i don't know how, how who to compare him with it's like uh you know kobe yeah kobe just did like 20 years in the league and just never stopped even when he was like bad towards the end and he was still chucking that's soderbergh because soderbergh just doesn't he cashes out movies some guys like James Cameron will do a movie every five years and it'll be good. But Soderbergh will do like, if you look at his IMDb, it's literally like every year, every year, every year, every year. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. He will, he will come out with the <laughs> Is movie. Is that what you wanted your director? Not give no, a shit. No, but it's honestly, <laughs> being that prolific is hard. It's a skill a unto point. itself because, okay. I mean, he has movies. You like, have you heard of Kimmy? I have not. Catwoman's in it dropped last year on HBO Max. Like that's okay. what this dude's on. But he has a ton <laughs> of great movies. Yeah. Like even back when this all started with Oceans, he has an Ocean series. He has Magic Mike. Oh, Aaron sure. Brockovich is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Traffic is an all-timer with Benicio. Logan Lucky, which is a great heist movie. I didn't realize that was Soderbergh. That's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Contagion is prolific. A lot, a lot of people say that counts against directors. But I think it's a it's really tough to to shoot all those volume shooters and still have some hits. So makes sense. That was that was it. I can't Boston. disagree. And Ocean's Eleven is a fucking masterpiece. So yeah. like you know, kudos kudos is credit where credit is due. He's known yeah. for like shooting quick, editing quick. There were jokes about like how like they would be out for dinner and they'd have like a cut of it showing to the actors like that night. It's like wow. him and uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood's known for like one take Clint. He's known for like getting through movies quick. 450 million box office. So honestly, for this type of movie, pretty good. As like heist movies go, non-franchise, this is the first one. This movie is up. Pure yep. star, star power, yep. which which doesn't really get done these days. Because if you saw this many stars in the movie now, it'd be like a superhero movie. It'd be what Avengers. Do you mean? Have, Have you, you seen, seen Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? Have you been a little bit Yeah, but Oppenheimer, it's like, oh shit, this Casey Affleck, but he was like, he's playing like a mailman for three scenes in the background. <laughs> like, it's like this movie, it's like these guys are all hanging out together. Ten yeah. stars. Oppenheimer's like the most famous dude is a guy who's fifth build in Inception, right? And there's a BBC <laughs> show playing a gangster. 
that's the main <laughs> star. Everyone else is literally just in and out of the movie. It works, but I'm just saying this type of star-studded cast that interact with each other full time, it's it's rare. At the time, well, what did people rate this movie? 83% Rotten Tomatoes. Fantastic. I, I agree and I concur. Before we get into the scenes, Mumbury, let's get Nile in here. So before you did the rewatch for the podcast, what is what did you remember about the movie before you turned it on? That's a great question. I think the thing that I always remember are just how much I love all of the performances. Second task, power. On the night of the fight, we're going to throw the switch on Sin City. Basher, it's your show. You want broke, blind, a bedlam. How about all three? That it's funny. Something I always forget is how funny it is yes, until, yes. until I rewatch it. There were multiple scenes where I was sitting alone in my room at 10 a.m. laughing out loud. What the fuck you bet? I think another thing that I always remember, I'm I'm very music oriented with movies. So I always remember the soundtrack, the little less conversation, a little more action with the the Junkie XL remix is just unbelievable. It's so good. And then this the was Junkie player- XL? Yeah, Junkie XL, dude. Oh, shit. Right. Unbelievable. Mad Max and Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Yeah, so, that's crazy work. Yes. But yeah, so I love that. I love the Claire de Lune finale. It's just it's a beautiful moment. Yes, so the the movie is perfectly soundtracked perfectly scored honestly you couldn't cast a movie better than this you can cast a movie as well as this but probably not any better it's one of those movies that i would i would throw on if my friends were over oh it's just like oh yeah we can watch oceans 11 because who doesn't like it that's what i remember about it's just the feeling of unity that it gives you like i can bring up oceans 11 with anyone and they'll be like yeah let's talk about oceans 11 I completely forgot how funny it was. But when you just mm. see Bernie Mac in any cast, you're like, oh. I know this is going to be a good time. Just won't let me deal the cars. We might as well call it White Jack. Bernie oh, Mac good. is my guy. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Bernie Mac is my guy. Mumbury, before the rewatch, what did you remember? Honestly, this was a DVD movie for me. This was a complete DVD movie. This had the DVD where you have to like unclasp <laughs> yep. and yep. then get the disc out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I remember about this movie. Uh, great DVD movie. This is one of those movies where I actually watched the special features, which is rare. I should remember there was like a special feature. At this point, Clooney wasn't the most famous person on the cast, which is weird because- Brad right, Pitt, right? Right, Brad Pitt was. Yes. And even Matt Damon had a lot of juice at this point because he'd of already course. been in Goodwill Hunting. He was on his mm. way up. But it was, it was cool. It was weird kind of hearing that because Clooney's like, he's Danny Ocean. So maybe it's an Oppenheimer- Oppenheimer, same thing going on. I have a question but for anyway, Niall. But the, but the thing is, before you, you, you ask this question, the thing is, it's not that much of a difference. Like, George Clooney at the time and Brad Pitt at the time, where is it, like, difference in fame? Was it that Insane. much of a Yeah, huge. Like, Brad for Pitt real? Like, Brad Pitt, at that point, he had done Fight Club. Oh, I see. He had done uh, Dumb and Louise. That'll do it. But, but I just have to say, like, the casting is perfect because George Clooney is, like... It's hard to like hindsight is 2020, obviously, but I'm just yeah. saying looking at it right now, the casting is goddamn perfect. George Clooney just was like the not... worst Batman. Oh, yeah. Like he had like bummed <laughs> off Batman. Like it, he was like limping along, which is But it's weird. weird to look back and think about this movie. He wasn't the most famous person in this movie when it came out. That's unbelievable to think about to me. Yeah. Um, so I got a question for you because you mentioned this earlier. Yeah. You said, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway because you said, you like this movie and Italian job. I was going to ask if you like, like what I call like white collar heist movies versus blue collar heist movies. This movie is a classic white collar heist movie where there's not a lot of blood. Maybe there's some punching. Right. No one's getting gunned down in the streets. Like it's like smart, sophisticated. They're going to get yeah. away with it. No one's going to get hurt. Like that kind of deal. Italian job, like they might betray someone at the end, but the camera's going to cut away. Whereas sure. you look at like heat, you know, Den of Thieves, the town, the right. town. Those yeah. movies are getting gunned down in the streets. Guys are running <laughs> through the, with bags of money and AKs. And yeah. So like the Heat is my favorite heist movie. But I just wanted to know, like, for you, where do you land on that balance of of hmm. white collar, blue collar heist? That's a good question. I honestly I, I think that would probably be the last thing that I consider over everything. What I like 
in a heist movie. And I think why I like Italian job and oceans 11 so much is the heist mixed with the twist, having a heist that you understand it as one thing, but at a certain point there's a reveal that's, Oh, this is how it actually was done. I get, I get a real rush from that kind of thing. And so if it gets violent and goes crazy, like heat or the town, or if it, you know, has those soft pans away, as long as the heist itself is really exciting for me. In fact, my favorite heist movie, this is going to make me sound like such a prestigious movie, like film bro douchebag thing. But my favorite heist movie is a black and white French film called Rafifi. I've seen it. Have you, have you seen Rafifi? Yeah. Okay. It's, the yeah, concept I feel so of, bad at the end. Yeah. No, that movie, that movie wrecks you a little bit, but the heist itself, they're stealing from this place that has a sound triggered alarm. And so the whole setup for the heist is them just practicing, not making any sound. And this is a movie from, I think the forties or something like that. I can't remember the exact year when the heist is actually going, it is dead silent. And anytime somebody steps on a floorboard and there's a little creak, everybody stops and looks around and you're just like white knuckled, can't wait to see what happens next. And that movie's not violent at all because it's a forties movie. Like you couldn't even, you weren't allowed to be violent back then. (laughs) So the, for me, as long as they achieve a certain amount of tension, that's what I'm going for out of my heists. Did you like Inside Man? Inside Man. I haven't seen Inside Man. Okay. you That's right up your alley then. Yeah. That's a, okay. That's an episode for you then. All right. Don't going worry. on the top of the list. I'm so proud of you. You saw Rafifi? Yo, I saw Rafifi. <laughs> Honestly, dope movie. Swear if you would like it. Okay. It, it is inventive and it does that thing. He kind of does it too, where the heist ends and you're just looking at your clock and you're like, it's too early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, I, 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 I agree see some with bad that. news coming. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> These guys are not that smart, and I can just, I just, I can see where this is going. But yeah, Rafifi's dope. You'd like it. You'd like it a lot. Wonderful. Um, Boys, let's get into this movie. Mulberry, take us away for your favorite scenes throughout this movie. I starred in big letters, getting the crew together, and then starred in big letters, heist. So those are the, <laughs> the two pillars for which I will I will build this segment on. And yes. we could just start with getting the crew together because it's like 10 scenes. So I kind of just split it that way. But essentially, from when he gets out of jail, it's a one-way track to introducing every character. Exactly. And some characters have sugar introductions, but it's just really well made. Let's do it this way. Which one of the intros to the characters, to the, the squad, was your favorite? And which one did you like the least? I like the reverse Danny Ocean intro. Where what do you, it, what do you it's mean? from Rusty's perspective. He comes back uh, in yeah. the room and Danny's now there. And then you get to see kind of like, all right, all right, this dude's kind of a a big dog in action. You kind of get to see him and Rusty play off each other and win some money off those rich guys. Out of the rest of them, obviously Basher. Oh, leave it out. You tossers. You had one job to do. We'll talk about his accent. Actually, we might as well talk about that accent. Yeah. Let's, please, can we, can, can we talk about the accent? Yeah. Don Gina, what are we doing? What are we, it's rough. <laughs> It will be great work with proper villains again. I was like, yo. So, oh. like, Homie, what are you saying right now? <laughs> oh, it's terrific. It'll be nice working with proper villains again. Yeah, so I think that would be my favorite one. Everyone else, a lot of it is just like from from afar. They're maybe watching. The Yang one is just like them talking. Literally just watching him. Sure. But, yeah. Like, does he speak English? Like, in real no, life? I don't think no. so. Okay, in because... real life, the actor, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I think, but in the movies, he never speaks. Like, he speaks yeah. a little bit towards an Ocean 13, but... What the fuck you bet? Fun yeah. fact, real quick, in that scene where they're where they're spying him out for the first time, it's playing a version of Caravan, the fi- finale song in Whiplash. So oh, that's a little fun thing. I was watching this, and I noticed that. I was like, is this Caravan? Oh, wow. I looked it up, and yeah, it's like a Chinese instrument version of caravan oh, for shit. some reason who's to say why but it was interesting so a little tie-in with my whiplash answer from earlier and i really that, like the yeah. fact you, you got the ear on the music throughout yeah. the game. i yeah, mean that, that is that is something you need to be paying attention to even yeah. notice yeah. that <laughs> yeah i know i pick up on the music too much sometimes i miss out on the actual movie a bit so uh, do you have a favorite intro to the cast 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. The Mormon twins, Casey Affleck and the other guy. I can't remember the actor's name. Scott Conn. He's James yeah, Conn's son. Go. Really? I had no yeah. idea. That scene, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a nostalgia attachment, but just them racing the trucks and him swerving and busting the remote control truck and then just laughing. Cackling. There's something about it. It's, it's such a good introduction to let you know exactly who these characters are and how they're going to interact with each other. Every time I see it, it <laughs> fills me with childlike wonder again. <laughs> For me, it's a close tie because I actually, I love Saul in this movie. Just like his demeanor to the whole thing. When Brad Pitt walked up to him and he was like, I saw you before you woke up this morning. Just like he knows what's going on before he, before everything happens. He's just so chill. I really enjoy that. But I can't love more than anything else. More than anything else, the depravity of Ruben Tiskoff, Elliot Gould. When they, I don't even know yeah, if that that's counts. The, that's oh. the best one. He torpedoed my casino. Now he's gonna blow it up next month to make way for some gaudy monstrosity. So he's, funny. It's, it's so funny, right? It's so funny. He's like, you guys are crazy. Get out of here. What do you guys even want? You guys are stupid. No one. And he goes down the list of all the attempts of um, robbing a casino in Vegas in the past. But eat while they're walking away, they like, just tell me what's going on. That's probably my favorite. That's yeah. probably the montage yeah. of failures to the yep. music. Some of the needle drops during the montage are, are great. Some of those, you're just like, who? these guys must be coked out of their mind trying to steal, <laughs> yeah. trying to steal from a Vegas casino with a snatch and grab. I mean, yeah. that but, also, uh, that scene comes with my favorite line from the movie. I still owe you for that thing with the guy at the place uh, yeah. to which, to which Brad Pitt responds, I've never been to Belize. There's Amazing. something about that that is so funny to me. Yeah, it just has me rolling every time. And then you can tell it's so crazy how well they know everyone. At least yes. they know Saul yeah. and Ruben. Like you can tell, just that's why these these intros are so good. Because the ones that are impersonal, like they just shoot it from afar, so you don't really yeah. know them. But the ones that are they have personal connections with, you get to see that. And Saul's, they kind of he just kind of leaves that little nugget with them and walks away. And then you know Saul's hooked. And yep. then for this one, they walk away. They, they do that thing where they're playing off each other and they're like, the Bellagio, the MGM Grand, the Mirage. And then he's like, wait, those are Terry Benedict's casinos. And then right there, you know, he's got <laughs> Yeah. He's like, so, what are y'all trying even, to do? Even Basher, it's like, as soon as Brad Pitt's there, he's like, oh, there we yeah. go, gangs. Yeah. So those, you can, it's just the way they just do the, the different intros. When, when they meet Ruben, I, I want you guys to try to remember his outfit, right? He's got the craziest sunglasses on, the three yeah. four different shades in his backyard pool with his, <laughs> yeah. with his, with his, it's not the nightgown. What is it called? Whatever he uh, has. It's like a silk robe. robe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, who is this guy? Of course he owned a casino that was bought out. So you guys can add whatever, because I only have two scenes. Honestly, the middle's a bit of a lull, and this will contribute to the LVP of the movie for me. The, the gang actually getting together, and Danny describes the heist in the house mm -hmm. by the pool, mm -hmm. which is a great scene with Matt Damon Ellie Gould, where he's like, yeah. I can get the fuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> or you think it's a heart to heart. But yeah, I mean, everyone loves explaining the heist. Movies kind of do these different ways. In Inside Man, you don't know how the heist is going. But then they kind of describe how the police break in scene's gonna go. And then you actually see that. And then it doesn't cool. go that way. This movie's the exact opposite. You kind of know and are explained how everything is gonna go. And then they pull the rug from under you. Exactly. Which is yeah. great. And then that just that line Nevada Gaming Commission mandates that casinos have to have enough cash to have everyone at the building. And then it's like, and on fight night, and then you're exactly. just, you're hanging on everywhere. It's like 162 million dollars. 162 million is in an insane amount of money. So yeah, that's like for the setup. That's all I had. If you guys want to add any more to the beginning, um, I don't think that there were many scenes from the beginning because you're right. It's all just the heist together. I, I just wanted to mention, like, you could see Jason Bourne in Matt Damon's character yeah. throughout this movie. We talked about this, Mabury, how Matt Damon is always willing to be a character in the movie who doesn't have that many lines, who is just there because he respects the director or respects the actual script. But I love how he is in a movie. 
He's a great actor. Every scene that he's a part of, you are paying attention. You are noticing. You you are with him. He's not trying to steal the movie. He's not trying to be a little extra. Are you including the them going to steal the the what's it called the clicker? No, like so the... I have that later. I have okay. Go ahead. The Terry Benedict walkthrough, which is kind of like the villain intro. We get to yes. see who they're up against. This is the opposition. And this is the part I have a problem with the movie. And we'll, we'll talk about that with the LVP. And then, of course, the Julia Roberts intro, too. And then you get to introduce that character. And that's when. Before you go on, I have to say something about this movie. And this is the one thing that I was really frustrated about. Not frustrated, but Terry Benedict is really good at his job. The only crime he committed in this entire movie was dating George Clooney's ex-wife. Like, <laughs> I know. He's, like he literally <laughs> hasn't done anything wrong. You, yeah. like, in a lot of well, these heist movies, it's like we're stealing from a bad person. Sure, he owns casinos. And he's Everything he's doing is legal, number one. Number two, he's very good at his job. Well, right? apparently yeah. he has a lot of enemies. Good. Of course he has a lot of enemies. Yeah. He's in Vegas, right? Right? It, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, my whole thing was it's like, sometimes I want to be happy about them getting money stolen. The only assurance that I felt about them stealing from him was that when Julia Roberts said, these people have insurance, they get their money back. That yeah. was, I was like, all right, then you guys can go ahead and steal it. But well, right, that, I so was you're, like, you're yeah. Team Benedict out of this movie. You're coming out <laughs> Team Benedict. Not team Benedict. I'm just not anti Benedict. Yeah, He's a good boss. Well, he that's knows the, the name of every valet that works for him. Like, I was thinking on. that same thing in that scene. I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I will say is that's that's like a quick and easy fix of just have one scene because there was a lot of tell with, with Benedict of saying, oh, he's a bad guy. People referencing he's a bad guy, but then they don't ever really show it. Exactly. If they just just have one scene showing him just being a total dirt bag to somebody yeah. or, or doing something illegal or something exactly. like that. And they do that. They set that up in oceans 13. Yeah. The casino owner is actually a scumbag and you get to see yeah. part of that. They should have done that in this one too. I agree. Yeah. It could be 15 seconds of something. Just show him doing something shady and then you're good to go. But I, I actually really agree with that point. And I never know you. I was shaking my finger too before when you were saying that Damon has got a bit of Bourne in him, and I like that comparison because honestly, Matt Damon in this and Bourne, the especially younger, there's a bit of like a spaciness exactly. about him. Totally. Yes, that's not there later on, like when he's the Martian and he's a genius or whatever, and even earlier in Talented Mr. Ripley or Goodwill Hunting. Those are two very different characters. Where this one and Bourne, there's a bit of like a spaciness. A exactly. focus and then spacey, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Facial recognition got a hit. Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. After that, I got the pinch heist. Basher was flummoxed. They yeah. fixed what they were going to do. So now they got to steal a pinch. Matt Damon's antsy. He goes in. This this scene reminds me a lot of, like, the type of comedy you would see in, like, a black and white movie. Mm, where yeah. it's like you're looking at reactions and they're looking up at the thing and then, it's, and totally. then you can see through a silhouette of some guy running through and then you're, <laughs> yeah. you're you know it's like classic silent movie hijinks those two brothers that had a uh, matt damon leave the car right scott to go into Con scott and, Con. Uh, casey affleck and casey yeah. academy affleck. award winner casey affleck yeah <laughs> there <laughs> well, you go excuse lest, me lest we forget <laughs> uh it is that was one of the dumbest decisions in the movie him deciding yeah. to go in like it does that it, there was no reason for it. Just step outside and go stand outside the the, the yeah. van. If worst case scenario, yeah, I thought that scene was decent. Uh, I did like prior to that scene when Buster was watching the TV and the actual building was getting blown up in the mirror yeah. right behind him. Yeah, I just love that. I just <laughs> yeah. love that because I feel like that's so 2023. But I thought the scene was decent. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, I have the actual heist, and the heist is obviously like twelve scenes. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. From Saul showing up the pinch being moved into place a lot of cutting linus versus frank that scene and then he drops the colored and honestly burning mac is just immaculate in that scene immaculate yep. amazing yeah. let me get on the table and dance let me shine your shoes let me smile at you but you definitely won't let me deal the cars you might as well call it white jack the boxing just... match 
Yeah. Right, what do you what do you got? I was gonna you... say, like, I'm trying to decide, like, with all these heist movies and these spy movies, I try to figure out who actually has the hardest job. And like right off mm. the bat, it usually goes to the tech guy. But the tech guy, this is what he does, so it shouldn't be that hard, right? Just blow the pin the the, the pincer, the pincher, or the clicker, whatever you call it. Make <laughs> it happen and then we're good. That's number one. Then I always think about the person that has to do the sneaking. So like the Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that had to do the backflip, but also he works in Cirque du Soleil, so this is yeah. what he does, <laughs> right? So I, I don't know who would have the toughest job, but I do know that Rusty Lyon, that Brad Pitt, he had the easiest fucking job. <laughs> yeah. He's like the only thing he does is to pretend to be a doctor and comes in. I feel like the two, two uh, brothers. and talks to he has to go toe to toe with Terry on the phone. That's true. Like, he do does the unravel on the phone, but that's a phone call, you know. That yeah, I mean, but call. you know, half of us would be like, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I think Saul probably has the hardest yes! role just because a, yeah, exactly. he has to be up and personal with benedict throughout 90 percent of the heist you know yeah, and, and that's and then have a heart attack <laughs> you know yeah. and you know and ben, to, yeah benedict yeah, can sniff out rich people like he yeah. has to be an amazing simon zerka and then, <laughs> and then, and then to, a, like benedict you're right because benedict must have a, a nose for fakes I was literally about to say that. Now, thank you for saying it because that's yeah. what I was getting to. Because Saul definitely has the hardest job. And not only is it the hardest job of the heist, he has to build that rapport to get to the heist, right? Like yep. that, he is the quintessential piece in this entire thing, right? I'm the captain now. The thing that I like about Benedict, again, he has this silence that he keeps with everyone he communicates with to just wait. He just sits in it. He, I love how he just sits in it. He asks a question. You hear the answer, especially when he is talking to Matt Damon and he just allows Matt Damon to freak out. But that conversation that Matt Damon and Brad Pitt have about what he's supposed to do, don't yeah. ever look down, don't ever look up because don't look you down, don't know. Don't look up. Yeah. That's just that's just that's just so amazing. I, I and then the it. if you don't remember anything else, this is the most important thing and then he gets called away. He doesn't <laughs> say what it is. It's great. So funny. So the entire heist, when the entire heist is happening, it is very disjointed. Not disjointed, but you're going from scene to scene from mm -hmm. person to person, right? Um, so it's hard to see how everything is playing out like all at once, but I don't know how realistic it would be to actually cut off the phone calls and get like, if they're dialing 911, can you actually be the person to answer the phone? That's the one thing about the heist mm. I did not believe. But well, everything if, they're in, if they're in the system, I'm guessing they, they're tapped into the phones too. If they're tapped into the internet and they're tapped into the, the video. So they would just pick it up right away. Yeah. I'm guessing yeah. it goes through them and then it goes out. That was literally my biggest question mark. But outside of that, I think it was a perfect heist. I absolutely loved it. I don't know why they had to just like pretend that George Clooney and Brad Pitt were fighting just to make Matt Damon nervous or whatever. I don't know if the rest of the crew was aware and it was just Matt Damon that was confused. But whatever that situation was, was a little off and I didn't think it was necessary. But perfect implementation of the entire situation. When they do get the SWAT team situation and you figure out the twist and they are they all take their money away. One thing I really respect about these kinds of movies and like Fast Five, when they do the robbery and there's that Donza Kaduro music at the and, end and you see people splurging money, right? I really respect this Ocean's Eleven crew. They just take everything in stride. Their yeah. celebration is just the boys, right? Let's go to watch <laughs> yeah. the fucking waterfall and just soak up the greatness in which we accomplished. I really appreciated that scene. It was a little like, thank you to everyone. With They didn't even have to say a single word. They all stood there. They watched the water and they all walked away one by one. I thought that was like a beautiful, beautiful send off. A beautiful I, send off. I, I always game. guessed that that was from the original. Have any of you guys seen it? Because I haven't. I, I just... have seen it once a long time ago and I cannot remember any details. That feels like an ending from an older movie, but yeah. Show me a man a dream and I'll show you a man that's dead another thing I appreciate about it is that it, the scene where Brad Pitt comes and picks him up at the end it also shows they're being smart about this money yes 
He's, you know, yeah. he's not driving around in a Benz. He's just, he's in a believable <laughs> car because they're still being followed. They're going to be tailed probably for a long time. So I just 100%. love that little addition of like, ha- had the series ended here with no 12 or 13. Yeah. Cut to Ocean's 12 and they owe money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is insane to think yeah. about. Um, you but guys, I love we literally that. went through the entire movie without mentioning Julia Roberts. Yeah. Can we talk about yeah. Julia Roberts for so, a hot minute? Here? Let's let's bring up the LVP. Yes. Yep. Yep. And then I have a two part two part loser, and we'll bring <laughs> up Julia Roberts first because okay. we got to talk about this. Because other than being the wife of the great Danny Ocean, I have no <laughs> idea. I kind of want her to be complicit because if you're married to Danny Ocean, you kind of have to be. Yeah, and and they kind of do a good job about that in the later movies, right? She's kind of like in the heists. Yeah, but yeah. in this movie, I mean, what are we doing? I especially the least believable part of this movie. Of course, this comes down to personal opinion. There are a lot of people in this world I know what you're who think say. that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. There are a lot of people in this world who think that she is a very beautiful woman. I don't mean to say that they're wrong. I do mean to say that I'm right about I don't think she's attractive. And the scene where Matt Damon says, this is the best part of my day. And then she comes down the stairs and it shows her. I always, even as a kid, remember watching that and going, really? Like, <laughs> That's not what I thought like, you were going to say. <laughs> look around the casino, dog. There are, there are yeah, more attractive yeah. extras. Like, yeah, what are nah. you? What That's are a $2 OnlyFans is what we're looking at. Yo, you're um, insane. You're insane. You're insane. <laughs> What did you think he was going to say? I thought he was going to say, like, how is she with Andy Garcia? Like, she's way (laughs) too smart to be with a dude that's clearly, like, up to no good. Like, yeah, he's rich, but, like, she's been through that before. Her last husband was clearly robbing people to get rich and was clearly (laughs) doing that illegal shit. And then she was like, I hate that dude. So now Tess going, just had bad taste in men. Yeah, maybe. terrible taste. <laughs> Great. Um, you guys, but, you guys get look, listen, I'm the, I'm over here. I too did not mention Julia Roberts Tess in this <laughs> throughout this movie. I'm not over here rooting and saying rah rah, but the come up <laughs> is something else. You go from a, a thief that is in prison for however many years to the owner of a casino in Las Vegas. He doesn't even they touch her, dude. He doesn't like, even touch her in public. <laughs> What are we talking about? No, here? he doesn't touch her in his <laughs> hotel. <laughs> Newsflash. They live in the I mean, they literally spend all their time in the goddamn hotel. I mean, I mean, that is Wasn't insane. That a weird thing? Wasn't that a weird thing? Yeah. They go on dates together, but they can't kiss on camera because of what? Why? Yeah, I was thinking watching. the same thing. I was like, well, yeah, but like, yeah, it's okay. The, it's okay to restaurant? kiss the person you're publicly dating, I think. Exactly. That that, that was a really in front of thing. a security guard watching through a camera, like. And then I think the most important point that we have to talk about, if If someone someone offered Julia Roberts $160 million instead of the husband, I would say uh, she would take it every single time. Like, I know couples, I mean, there's people who've been married for 50 years who would be like, yeah, fuck you, I'm out. It's $160 million. I would leave behind every person I have ever met for a hundred. I I, honestly, like a hundred thousand dollars. I'd be like, I'll never talk to my family again. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that whole thing where she was all upset because he said <laughs> yes to 160 million dollars. How much does she think she's worth? Like, how much Seriously. does she actually think she's worth? That's that's an insane like <laughs> level of expectation for somebody. I just, this is his yeah. job, it's his life, and you're mad at him because he said, Give me the money. When they get home together, what do they do? Because <laughs> right. I just think they sit at a dinner table, they just like pick at yeah. their food. And they just stay there for four hours and then they go to bed in two separate beds and two separate rooms. No doubt. And, like no there's no charisma. Chemistry. Chemistry, yeah. anything. And then when when George Clooney was like, Does he make you laugh? And she goes, He doesn't make me cry. I'm like, yo, Hallmark should put that on a fucking card because that shit is <laughs> insane. It is insane. It is insane. It is. It is. And, all right, um, let's get to Andy Garcia because we okay. got some issues with this. At least I do. You What's can't yours? have heavy hitters like this. And then come out with Andy Garcia as the back. Like, there's a Denzel movie called Magnificent Seven. It's yes. a remake of a remake of a remake. No! But it's like, they got Denzel. They got a bunch of Chris D'Onofrio, Chris Pratt. They got, like, I mean, like, the movie poster is like Oceans. You know, they're trying to get 
yeah. then the bad guy, it's like they like used all the budget and the good guy, and then they it's, it's like yeah. that's not the way to do these movies. Yeah. The bad guy needs to be the, the, way. the most important. Right. Die yes. Hard paved yeah. the way. You get Severus Snape to be the bad guy, right? You yeah. get a heavy hitter to be the bad guy. And all I could think about doing this, I literally wrote this down, is if Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen switched bad guys and we got a 2001 Al Pacino as the bad guy for this movie. That's what I was going to say. It it feels in this movie, it feels like they wanted Al Pacino and they couldn't afford him. So they got someone cheaper yeah. and mean, then the budget was raised. And so, but yeah, I, I truly, it's like, oh, we can't do Pacino is like, is Garcia busy? <laughs> yeah. Because just give me anyone, give me a, a, like a big heavy hitter that like totally can actually go toe to toe and like is menacing and charming at the same time but that's very yeah, tough tough ass but it, honestly i have to know why she left him for him yeah yeah because it's not andy garcia that's true exactly I, just a little bit of a pushback because i know so there's very few directors that are like i'm writing this like when um uh, quentin tarantino's doing a movie he's like this is samuel l jackson's part this is leonardo dicaprio's part this is what i'm writing it for yeah. when you are just writing a regular screenplay and you have a bad guy right i'm questioning if it was the exact same lines throughout this exact movie who do you want you really think al pacino in that scene in this movie doing and saying the exact same things that andy garcia was doing would have been a better result because i feel like it's a writing issue i feel like it's a story issue more than an actual actor issue in this situation yeah that's fair hey, no you know potentially what? even a directing issue Maybe, of, yes. of not retaking the scenes with more chemistry between him and Tess, for example, I could see Al Pacino. I, what I couldn't see is Al Pacino and Julia Roberts together. <laughs> making sense. Yeah. I can see him in every other element of that role, but uh, yeah, him Remember, and Julia Roberts would feel yeah. weird. I'm going down a list of actors. I'm trying to find. See, I'm and that's to... what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I think it's a writing it's, issue. It's but a listen, tough I, ask. It's a I, tough I, ask. Exactly. If if you just plug in a different actor with this exact same writing, with the same story, then I think it is a tough ask. But if you change the actor and then you do what that actor is best at, then there's a million people I could pick from. Like a million yeah. people. Terry Benedict yeah. just wasn't written that well. Who was your MVP? Let's go around MVPs now. I, I did dual LVPs, dual MVPs, Clooney and Pitt. They come out of this movie. See, the thing with Matt Damon's bullshit character actor, I'm, I'm hanging out thing, is he doesn't actually come out looking great in this movie. Yeah. Where, I mean, it's a great character or whatever, but Pitt and Clooney, Clooney especially, pretty much rides this movie. Like, if you look at his IMDb, it's, it's not that impressive for how big of a star he is. Yeah, you better whisper, whisper that I'm shit. I'm going to whisper this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, George fucking Clooney. He is so, Hollywood. No, I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, te tequila saved his life because let me let me talk, talk to you about this because he's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Michael Clayton. Besides that movie, you have to, like, he's in Oh Brother, Where Art where Thou. Yeah. Not a lot of hits, though. Like, Syriana wasn't that, it wasn't a hit. Ides of March mm -hmm. wasn't a hit. He's in this He's in Gravity, Tomorrowland, Flop, Lost. <laughs> I mean, like, if you really look at it, Oceans, Oceans really like saved his skin at the right time. And yeah. because of Oceans and how cool he was, number one in Oceans, I feel like that kind of just gave him. You know, he's like always in the suit in Oceans. Then when you see him on TV, he's always in the suit. You see him on the red carpet, he's always in the suit. Yeah. I think it just ingrains in America. This dude is just a cool dude. You yeah, know? he's like. It's so, I just, yes, I want to agree with you. But at the same time, Mumbury, it's more than just being in the suit. There's a lot of actors that are in a suit. George Clooney is suave. George Clooney is smooth as all hell. That scene where, like, you talk about chemistry, right? Him and Tess have very few scenes. The scene where he's saying goodbye and sneaking the phone in her, her pocket, and he's just staring at her, and then he gets close, and he's just like, I'm here to say goodbye. You're like, oh, yeah. shit. And then he leans in, he pauses for a hot second because she thinks she's going to get a kiss. And then he gives her one on the cheek. You yeah. can't do it. Mumbury, there's very few actors. Like you go, credit where credit is due. And then for his, his film history, he is Mr. Fox and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. Have right. you seen Fantastic Mr. Fox? No, but all right. You can't. Oh, throw a you West haven't seen no, Fantastic Mr. Seen, Fox? <laughs> you can't throw a West Ham. Okay, this is a Fantastic as, Mr. As, Fox as, episode now. This <laughs> is so important. You can't do that. 
You can't me, do that. It's no, so no, no, no. important that after this, soon okay. you go and see that movie because okay. it is so good. I have yeah. been told it's amazing, but you can't yes. throw a, a Wes Anderson film at me and be like, oh, he's still in the game. <laughs> Wes, Anderson, <laughs> Wes Anderson will have fucking Luke Wilson doing <laughs> scenes. I mean, you, you can't be doing that. But I'll just yeah. I'll, right, listen to make my drive my point home. Let me just go through his filmography. Please. Right? So 2022, Ticket to Paradise. 2016, Money Monster. I actually saw that one in theaters. I don't know why. But then Hail Caesar. Then Tomorrowland. Then The Monuments Men. Gravity. Fantastic Mr. Fox. The Men Who Stare at Goats. Not bad. Up in the Air. Now, okay. Up in the Air and Gravity are two actual hits. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, where did all, all that fame come from? <laughs> that's exactly. my point. <laughs> that's my point. I'm not going crazy here. I'm just saying, yeah, not. Clooney is he's I don't know how I, I know fame. exactly what you're saying because, like, <laughs> when you think George Clooney, you think Hollywood, you think the man, right? But you really should be thinking of like a Tom Hanks because he has Damn. performed. You should be thinking of right. like a Will Smith. Like these people, like when you think Hollywood, they actually has produced the art. George Clooney has an IMDb of like, you know, when comedians turn into actors or like musicians turn into actors. Yeah. And then you're like, how is he still in movies? (laughs) But it's like, oh, right. Because he just keeps dropping albums. Or yeah, because he keeps doing stadium tours and he's still staying famous. But Kevin Hart has. No, but the difference is, the major difference is, when George Clooney does hit, he hits well because he is a fucking actor. Like, no, like, yeah, his th- maybe his film choices, maybe the PR team for George Clooney is the greatest PR team in history, mm-hmm. but he can act. Like, he can legitimately act, Mumbar. You got to give him that. What we yeah. need is we need um, Idris Elba to fire his his team, yeah. fire George Clooney's yes. team. Yes, yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right? That's exactly what this world needs. Like, Idris Elba <laughs> needs to be the the number one star in Hollywood. Everything yeah. he does is perfect. And I just, oh. I just, I just binged Hijack. That show is fantastic. He's just, oh yeah, is it Albert, Yeah, he's yeah, it's Albert. He's, it, it's fantastic. He's, then, he really is. Let me just compare that to Brad Pitt because it's, it's like night and day. Like Brad Pitt's taking it easy a bit, but Babylon, Bullet Train, The Lost City, Ad Astra, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then. He did Allied, War Machine, The Big Short, Fury, The Counselor, yeah. 12 Years a Slave, World yeah. War Z, That's not Killing Them Softly, See, Money this Ball, is a movie star. Winners. This is a Just movie star. Winner after The winner. Tree of Life, Megamind, Inglorious wow. Bastards, wow. The Curious yep. Case of Benjamin Button, Better After Reading, The Assassination of Are these consecutive? Are you cutting the, the fat out Robert from Ford. in between these? This is no, crazy. No fat, dude. I mean, Ocean's 13, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Ocean's 12, Troy. I'm on his IMDb and I'm looking at all of his produced movies as yeah. well. Like, yeah. yeah, Brad Pitt is, yeah, Brad Pitt is Hollywood. This movie, yeah. he knows. Right. Brad then, Pitt totally. is Hollywood. And we're not even including 90s because 90s, he had Fight Club, Being John Malkovich, Meet Joe Black. That's Crazy. a movie star. Yeah. And then yeah. that's why he was more famous than George Clooney and this movie came out. Makes sense. Now I hear your point from the beginning. Now I definitely understand your point from the beginning. Brad Pitt is the movie star. George Clooney just looks like one. He has that movie star charm. Oh, 100%. And he yep. has, honestly, he feels like if any any movie star now you could take back to the 50s and 60s and do those totally. kind of uh, movies where it's like him showing up in a seaside town in Europe. And then there's someone chasing him and he meets a hot woman and they got and the pants are like up to here and yeah. he's running away from the cops. Like um, that is George. he would kill it. I yeah. mean, he would be he's a it. he's a modern Humphrey Bogart. He yeah. could have done Casablanca, right. no problem. Casablanca, no problem. A hundred percent. Any final thoughts about um Ocean's Eleven boys? I will say I've spent I, I feel like I spent a lot of time shitting on on our guy George Clooney in the last 15 minutes but (laughs) but let me just say this because I actually I love him in this we've seen from the Ocean's 8 sequel prequel whatever that is yeah that uh this movie lives and dies on his charisma and when you see Ocean's 8 and how they kind of tried to recreate the scene with the female version of Rusty and him and the charisma wasn't there um is that me or you I have no idea. I don't know. Hear- I'm on a Mac, so it's not me. <laughs> yeah, I think it is you, Mumbari. Is it your headphones? I think everything is working well. <laughs> like, I can see you. It's just, I don't know where that yeah. beeping is coming from. Something's plugging in and out. So, well, 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 he was saying that the Ocean's 8 
is a, an example of some of why the George I don't know what's going on. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah I can you, hear you. you. There's no issue. It's just the in and out plugging that I keep hearing because I, I too am on a Mac. So that's not. So the charm of George Clooney carrying the movie, my question is, would the movie be carried? Because Brad Pitt is also doing a whole lot of the mm-hmm. carrying in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Well, I think an example of that for me is exactly that scene between him and Tess where he's saying goodbye, uh, George Clooney is. There is a lot of chemistry in that scene. And I would argue that 100% of it is coming from George Clooney. Oh, he yeah. carries that scene <laughs> totally on his shoulders. She basically just kind of stands and reacts yeah. instead of acting. That that kind of exemplifies the the charm that he puts into every scene. Because yeah. Brad Pitt, while excellent in this movie, he wouldn't have been a Danny Ocean. He's yeah. great for his character, you know? And so I think... In in terms of a Danny Ocean type, I really struggle to think of anyone else in Hollywood either now or in the, you know, contemporary era of 2001 that could have oceaned done. as hard as George Clooney oceaned. You Denzel could have I mean? done it. Denzel could have done it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's true. Denzel <laughs> could have done it. It would change the entire movie. But yeah, Denzel it would have been done. a different Danny Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Could have pulled yeah. that. That's true. I mean, all right, thinking, all right, the thing about Denzel is Denzel is a little rougher on the edge. I don't see Denzel being as charming. He the he no, has a charisma. there's a charming Denzel. You just got to look okay, out. Okay, remind it. me of the charming Denzel. <laughs> what a training day. Training day. <laughs> you in the office, baby. <laughs> like I like there is no love. Like that's the thing. I feel like you see. I I imagine women going crazy for George Clooney. I'm not saying that women don't go crazy for Denzel, but it's a different level. Like it's a different, it's a different level. kind of woman. Yeah, the exactly, and the charm. <laughs> the charm is the the charm that George Clooney has. It, it's like it emits out of him. It emits out of him. Like and I respect what? Denzel, but like George Clooney is the guy, right? Like yeah. he's just the guy. You look at him and you like the guy, even Focus. with the little great tips and whatever in his hair like focus will smith also got it will smith from focus with him and margot robbie and you tell me leo couldn't do it either there's dudes that could do this okay Okay. yeah leo probably could have done it i think leo leo probably could have done it and the thing is yeah 2001 will smith could not he's he's no not 2001 not 2001 current but between hitch and focus Mm, in that era i can see it yeah i can see there's some charm pitch this is left field and shoot it down if you think, but Christian Bale, what are your thoughts? Okay. After Batman, like Christ- maybe? Yeah, like like amid the Batman trilogy era. Okay. I don't I, know. He seems really cold, not going to lie. Exactly. He's, <laughs> he's just too tough. He's too and maybe tough. Maybe the American yeah, there's, Psycho there's part is just sour. Yeah, I think American Psycho is what's, <laughs> what's throwing me off, too. He would be um, too much of a Patrick Bateman in a role like Danny Ocean. You know what? Too much give me, of a wild card. Give me Nick Cage as the bad guy as uh okay. as the casino percent on board. I love oh, Nick give Cage. Me, all give me give me Tess has had it with straight laced Danny Ocean, and she's she's now cutting loose and she's, yeah. she's hanging out with the coke fiend with that the, owns his, he's hanging out with the coke fiend that oh, oh you know who would be perfect? Colin Farrell. <laughs> Colin Farrell owning Colin Casino. Farrell as, as oh shit. Yeah, that's, that's a good cast. And Colin Farrell as Andy Garcia. Nile, just thank you. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you, Nile, for hopping on. Man. Really no problem. It. It's great. Um, uh, it's a tradition on my podcast. I hope it's okay if I bring this in, but I gotta give a shout out to my mom. So shout out to Kel. She's okay. probably gonna listen to this and she'll kill me if I don't do it. So okay. Love shout you, out Kel. to Kel. Shout out, out to Cal. That was beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Mama, you hear that? She needs shouting out mom. Um, I love that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, please like, comment, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. Deuces.